This Sunday's Gospel begins the public life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Aside from a brief mention in Matthew of a family outing to Jerusalem where the adolescent Messiah gets lost, we know absolutely nothing about what are called the hidden life in Nazareth. So between the ages of 12 and 30, there is an 18-year gap that has been fertile ground for overactive imaginations. There is a popular medieval legend that said that Jesus traveled to Glastonbury in Britain. This was the inspiration for William Blake's poem, And Did Those Feet in Ancient Time. The first part reads, And did those feet in ancient time walk upon England's mountain green? And was the holy Lamb of God on England's pleasant pastures seen? The poem went on to enjoy a second life as the words to Sir Hubert Perry's beautiful hymn, Jerusalem, Britain's unofficial national anthem. If Jesus had walked on England's mountains green, that would have been enough. But then a 19th century Russian war correspondent named Nicholas Notovich claimed that he had evidence that Jesus had spent his early years in India. From there on, it gets like Elvis sightings. Jesus is seen in all kinds of esoteric places. Probably the most convincing evidence for about those lost years comes in the form of a painting from an artist named George de la Tour. It's called St. Joseph the Carpenter. It's in the Louvre in Paris. The painting shows the figure of a bearded man, obviously a carpenter, hard at work late into the night. Next to him, a young boy holds a candle so the elderly man can see. This is obviously no ordinary child. That's clear from the fact that the tool St. Joseph works with is in the shape of a cross. The evangelists don't report the details of what we call the hidden years because it wasn't important to the real story of Jesus Christ. That story, the real story, begins today when John the Baptist points out the Lord Jesus and calls him the Lamb of God. The words should be familiar to us because we use them in the liturgy. It's part of a major liturgical theme building to a crescendo in the moments before we receive Holy Communion. The Agnus Dei, really a brief litany, repeats the crucial theme with growing insistence, and then, as if to remind us that this is no lamb in the abstract, the priest is instructed to hold up the host and say, Ecce Agnus Dei, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We're being invited to make a connection here, a particular connection, though I doubt that many of us are always aware of it. To a Jewish audience, the phrase, Lamb of God, would have made people's ears perk up. Something significant was being said about this Galilean carpenter. This is where we come to the cultural and culinary divide, that separates us from the Middle Eastern world that Jesus lived in. We, can, we tend to think of lambs as innocent and frolicsome creatures, so we can hardly bring ourselves to eat them. And that's why they seldom appear as an item on our dinner plates. I once found some affordable lamb chops in a grocery store in the neighborhood. When the woman at the checkout counter saw them, she recognized them as anything but lamb. Oh my goodness, she said to me, are those tiny sirloin steaks? 
I said, uh, yes, they come from miniature cattle the size of a chihuahua. Really, she said, I didn't think they could get them that small. <laughs> lamb is a popular dish in the Middle East, but lamb also had a deeper theological and cultic significance. To grasp this, you have to go to the book of Revelation, where John looks deep into the heart of eternity and sees a lamb on a throne, a lamb that has been slain and from whose wounds radiate the energy that sustains the entire cosmos. Armed with this image, you have to jump back to Exodus and read about the Paschal Lamb whose blood was marked the houses that the angel of death passed over. And while you're at it, you can stop briefly at Isaiah 57 where it describes the suffering servant as a lamb led to the slaughter. These texts were crucial in the church's reflection about the meaning of Christ's passion and death. Armed with those texts, it becomes clear that when John the Baptist calls the Lord Jesus the Lamb of God, he is ushering us into the heart of the Jewish experience of redemption. Christ is the Paschal Lamb led to the slaughter whose blood will be shed for the life of the world, the Lamb who was slain and whose flesh we eat and whose blood we drink at Eucharist. This is the divine recklessness of our God who will go even, even to this extreme to you reconcile us to himself. And that's why those who come to this supper, the supper of the Lamb, are called blessed. Blessed.